Hey everyone, welcome to another episode and another season mm. of the Good Lion Podcast. Aaron, we're four years old. Four, four years old. But it's it's four seasons. Four seasons. So it's like seasons, I guess, is like our dog years. Yeah, it's like in podcast years. Yeah. So we turned four, which is really two and a half. Something like How that. How long have we been doing this? I feel like it's been almost two years, if not more, but... It's been great. I've loved every minute of it, man. It's been rad. It's been a wonderful ride. It's been so good. We don't even remember how long it's been because it's just been pure joy instead of looking at clocks and thinking, when will this day be over? That's just me and most things in life. I can't remember how long it's been since I moved to Oklahoma. My wife remembers literally every date and every context of time possible. I think she might be a time traveling time master. So because she knows time, she must travel through it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Okay. (laughs) That makes sense. Moving on. I'm with you there. We are excited to start a new season. We are excited to work through today's topic. Aaron, you texted me about this particular idea. Yes. And this is one where prepare to get your smart people glasses on, everyone. (laughs) This is one where you have a thesis to share. (laughs) Well, we always kind of have a thesis to share. When I when I said thesis, I wasn't trying to be smart. I just mean my overarching idea. I have a big idea that I want to throw at you. So can I I'm do ready that? ready for your, your big genius. I am <laughs> a brilliant PhD idea. Oh my gosh. Okay. Here's my idea. Evangelism. Okay. Right now, everybody who is a Christian should know that they're called to the Great Commission. As Jesus said, one of the last things he said to the disciples before he left was go and make disciples. He didn't just say that to the 12. He said that to the crowd of disciples, the followers of Jesus, we are the next generation of that. So we know we're all called to evangelism, but it's hard. It's difficult. In the age of COVID right now, it's really hard to go out and talk to people on the street because you got to social distance. You got to wear masks. It's awkward. So a lot of people, myself included, if I'm honest, have put evangelism in a lot of ways on the back burner. But I think my big idea is that we're missing something that is actually stopping us from our potential to evangelize. And that is we're missing the reality that social media is potentially the biggest missionary field we've ever seen. And it's accessible to every single Christian to be able to make a difference on it. That's my big idea. If I could give you a doctorate right now, I would. The TED Talk will That's come a big out idea. next month. <laughs> I love it. That's a big idea. That's a very bold claim to call it the biggest missions field. That sounds like one of those things. I mean, maybe just because social media is in it that this is where my mind went. Mm-hmm. But that sounds like something a very clickbaity pastor would share. Like, I feel like I've scrolled past this video on my newsfeed where the title in all caps you just was like, me of evangelize the world in 90 seconds. How, and it was a guy in his truck. You? <laughs> how dare I what? Accuse me of being clickbaity. That's just a, a slap to my soul. No, no, no. You're, hold on. Slow, slow down. Finish your thought. I'm, I'm not, finish your I'm thought. not accusing you of being clickbaity. I know. Just here's, my ideas here's what's and going thoughts on. and principles. Here, <laughs> just everything about you. Yep. <laughs> so here's, here's what's going on in my brain right now. Okay. That idea on its surface sounds like a clickbaity idea. Yeah. But I know that you are not a clickbaity person and you are not someone who paints with broad brushes when 
broad brushes don't need to be used. Right. So like I, I know that you're not saying that because it's inflammatory or it's easy to grasp real quick or you're overplaying the importance of it or whatever. Hmm. I know that you're saying that with real thought and real conviction behind it. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that's very true. It's not me just trying to get headlines or clicks, which has never, ever worked for me. Anytime I've ever tried to be <laughs> clickbaity, it's never gone well. So no, I'm, I just truly believe this. I, I truly think that we're missing the potential of what can be done through social media. And it's like God has actually given us a gift and it's sitting on the table. It's like he, he gave us a screwdriver, but instead of fixing, you know, the broken thing with it, that shows you how handy I am. I can't even think <laughs> Instead of, of you thing. know things with screws. <laughs> you know the the stuff you fix with screwdrivers. Yeah, instead what they of, do. Instead of fixing something with the screwdriver, we're trying to play music on it. You know, that's that's kind of what's happening. I think with social media, we we're we're missing our opportunity to redeem something for God's kingdom. That's not everybody. Again, broad brush. Don't want to paint with it. Sure. But a lot of us, and I'll throw myself in there. A lot of us, myself included, are not using social media to its full potential, especially you, because you're never on it, Brian. You are never on social media. Where are you? So this is what Where I'm, are I just, you? I hang in the background and I observe the chaos. You lurk. I see you watching that, my stories. I do. You're right. That was, I actually watch pretty much all the stories because I don't like just, just, going into Instagram just and every having, story. I mean, not like all of them ever made, but like, oh, okay. I, I don't like going into Instagram and seeing the circle up top with like, I forget even what color that is around it. Wait, where it's like, wait, 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 you take the time to watch the stories of all the people you follow because you don't like, you're one of those types where if you have unread text in your phone, it drives you crazy, right? Yeah. It feels like they made this thing. <laughs> I say that I support them. So I should go through these things. And it does lead to a lot of me just clicking through. Like if, if anybody has ever put together like more than five stories in a row and the first one wasn't really funny, I did not read the rest of them. <laughs> I just moved through them very quickly because I don't like the notification there. Yes, I don't like the notification oh my of gosh. the text that needs to be read because now every time I open my phone, I'm reminded there's a thing I have to do. See, I just don't care. I would rather, I'd rather just open the text and then forget to text the person back. That's I, normally what I do. In my mind, my to-do list is my to-do list and I make that and I control it. So I want that stuff gone. I want those things done. But when I open up my phone, I watch, a, I watch as many stories as I want to until I get sick of watching stories and then I just close the app and go to something else. But uh, apparently you're a slave to the stories, man. That no wonder you're watching all my stuff. No wonder. Yeah, it's not because I <laughs> care. It's because it, I'm an you obligation. Gave me a notification. To you. This is yeah, this is a, to... this is a good segue into let's let's talk about before we get into breaking down why I believe there's this massive potential for social media. Why don't we talk about the negatives? Let's just get those out of the way. And I think someone who'd be great to talk about the negatives starting off is Brian Higgins. That's actually I'm a very negative person. <laughs> That's that's my role in this episode. That, I actually wrote that out. Well, didn't you do your master's thesis on just why social media is the worst? Yeah, that was the title of the paper. Mm. So, yes, when we first started talking about this being an episode that we were going to do, i.e. two days ago, <laughs> letting letting you all into the process. Sometimes we plan made. a lot. Sometimes it's more shooting from the hip. 
Exactly. This is a hip shooter. I don't know if that's a phrase, but I hope it is. Let's make it. When we first started talking about this as a subject, I knew that at least for myself, and hopefully this is speaking for other people, but at least for myself, when I just hear the phrase social media, just those two words put together, I hear them as a synonym for everything evil in the world. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Like when is the last time social media, before you made the statement that social media is a great thing that God is giving us, before that, when was the last time you heard another person say social media without it meaning something terrible? (laughs) It's been a long time. Late, lately, it's been pretty bad. Lately, the conversation around our house is me and my wife, Brooklyn. The conversation has been, I think I need to take a break from social media. And that's been like a thing that's come up between the two of us several times in the last six months with all of the horrors of 2020. My wife has actually uh, been off of Instagram for about a month now. And she's like, I have not felt this happy in a long time. So obviously there's some negatives to it for sure. Yeah. And, and my wife is the same way. She loves nothing more than being off social media and being off Instagram in particular and feels genuinely happier and healthier when she's doing that. And when I, not just to say that this is a wife only thing, like you have to be a wife in your late 20s to early 30s to (laughs) have that benefit. Like that's something that I feel as well when I'm limiting my social media time, I feel significantly better as a person. When we talk about social media, we're normally talking about how it is anxiety inducing, Mm -hmm. how it's toxic. Social media often becomes a synonym for the place where bad ideas come from. Like you'll be talking about like how a cultural divide has happened. Yeah. And you'll normally say, well, this person had this idea and then it made its way to social media. And then like nobody needs the rest of the story. Right. Everybody just assumes, oh, a bad idea made its way to social media. Of course, about half the country believes it. Yeah. Like that's just how it goes on both sides of the spectrum. Yes. So it's very easy to think of social media as a cesspool of evil. Yeah. Like for me, a lot of times when I've scrolled through social media lately with all the things going on in the world, I've literally felt depressed after, you know, sitting there for 30 minutes looking through because it's, it's totally a roller coaster of emotions because you know, you'll see one post on a post or a story. Let's just, you know, stick with Instagram, for instance. It's crazy because Facebook used to be the place where politics happened. It was like baby boomers are on Facebook and they took that over from us. You know, we had MySpace and then we started Facebook and then the, the baby boomers came in and they just destroyed. If you're a baby boomer listening <laughs> to this, I'm, I'm sorry, but you, you ruined Facebook for everybody. I just want you, you to really know. You really did. You did. So everyone's talking about their, you know, their pets and their dinner, but then it's also like, here's why I think Trump's a racist. Here's why Biden is the son of Satan. <laughs> and uh, it was the same guy saying both things. He's just against everybody. He's against both of them and he wants everyone to to know. So it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, 
it's become a thing where, you know, Instagram was the place where millennials were supposed to be able to roam free and just, you know, we just hung out and we chilled and we took pictures of, you know, we took uh, minimalistic pictures of white walls with plants hanging and we wore our wide brim hats and went out into fields and, you know, girls took pictures where they all pretended like they were laughing at something hilarious at the same time, which never happens in real life, but apparently in Instagram it does. But yeah, it was supposed to be our safe space and it's been infiltrated by the uh, political disease because every second now that I go on Instagram, it's like an uplifting post from uh, a pastor I respect. And then all of a sudden it's like some really horribly racist thing. And then it's like, here's some really opinionated person on politics. And then it's like, here's somebody who hates that person in their opinion and wants to fight them. And it's just like, I've got some friends where all they do on Instagram is they share the worst news stories out there. So it's just like, here's 20 <laughs> posts in a row about oh, deaths goodness. and shootings and just her. It's it. It's. And I, so I get on there and then I'm like, I am overwhelmed because there's terrible things happening in the world. I feel like I can't mm -hmm. do anything about them. And now it, it's just, it's terrible. And it seems like half the people are in favor of the terrible thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, depending on what the thing is that's terrible, like half of the people are like pro terrible. And then the other half are like, no, that's terrible. And then they have their own terrible thing that they're in favor of. And it's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Like what is happening? Yeah. And, or if they're not either, they're in favor of the terrible thing or they're hell bent on blaming somebody for it. So it's just like this yeah. terrible thing happened. It's that side's fault. It's their fault. If you just would have thought differently, if you just would have voted differently, if you just would have died this wouldn't be happening. Like that's kind of the, <laughs> oh. if you were dead, things would be better is kind of how people treat each other on social media right now. It's very true. And yet with all of that, which I think like everything we've said to this point, I don't think is remotely controversial. I don't think what we're saying is a fringe opinion. I think that this is the general way social media is perceived and felt. At least right now. And yeah, at least right now, we're not saying yeah. social media is bad and we're not saying it's a sin for you to be on it. I'm on it quite often, more often than Brian. So we're not saying it's bad, but we are saying this is the environment you're in. So this is this is one of the transitions I want to go to on this is getting back to that potential for ministry to happen on social media. Social media is merely a reflection of what's actually going on in the world you're getting sort of a superhero ability to see into people's hearts in a way that you couldn't before. Because back in the day, we just went through our lives and we didn't know every horrible opinion everyone in the world was thinking. Now we can see it. So we can see the depths of people's hearts. And so it's just like anything else. The command from God is to be in the world, but not of it. So when it comes to social media, I think for a lot of us, there is this imperative, you know, it's not for everybody, but to those of us who feel like it's a space where maybe we're called to operate in the, the idea would be, be in the world of social media, but don't be of it. Don't stoop to its level. You have to rise above it and you have to provide somebody with an alternative to the madness because that's, that's what we do in real life too. Cult, real life. If social media didn't exist, culture would still be messed up. People's hearts would still be bad people would still be saying and doing horrible things. So it's the same thing. We're in that world. We're around those people, but we're not of it. It's a, it's a mission field. We're called to reach those people, if that makes sense. 
it does make sense. I think it's just something that is hard to see how. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if what I just said makes sense, but no, it's hard to see kind of like the way that we've looked at racial injustice. And there's a huge conversation going on in the nation about it. There's a lot of thinking and examining and speaking and educating. And a lot of what's being said is hard stuff to deal with and Mm. reconcile and, and think through And it's very easy to wade into that conversation, begin to feel helpless and then give up. And I think social media is similar in that sense, because like you were talking about, you'll sit in social media for 30 minutes and just a depression can come over you. Yeah. And I I don't think that's a unique experience. I think that that is a relatively common experience. It's something I've definitely felt as you know, I work my way through social media. How do you stay? How do you even get motivated? I guess is the better way to say it to want to be different within everything social media wise, because it's so easy the way that we scroll through posts. It's like, I'm just going to become one of these scrolled past things that doesn't matter. Right? Yeah. I. Th- how do you get past that mindset? So before I touch on that, let me go back to something you said about that depression that you feel, right? Let me ask okay. you this. When you were doing youth ministry, Brian and I, if you guys don't know, if you listen to the show, you know, but we're both former youth pastors. We still very much consider ourselves people who are called to youth and who minister to youth, but we're not currently on staff at churches doing that. So Brian, when you were a youth pastor, were there ever times where you felt overwhelmed and depressed in in certain ways because you were watching the people that you care about struggle with sins or going through really hard things? Was that something you ever dealt with? Yeah, definitely. You'd, you'd see particular students where it was like, I know that you're struggling with this sin or this habit or this thought pattern, and I have no idea how to show you its true destructive nature. And and yeah, definitely. It becomes very humbling and very it becomes a very helpless feeling. Yeah. So I think in that we have to look at and apply to the same principle of social media let's look at our ministry background. There were times where we would watch people that we loved go through horrible things or do misguided, horrible things. And we, we can get bummed. We can get sad. We can get just drawn into it like an internalized idea of, you know, is it my fault? Could I have done something better? How can I fix this? But it all comes back to the reality that God is the fixer. We're just instruments in his hands. And so One thing that I've had to teach myself is it's not my job to save everybody. It's not my job to educate everybody. It's not my job to fix everybody, nor can I, or should I, because I'm broken myself. So it's not, it's not my job to do those things, but it is his job and he is doing it consistently throughout the world throughout the lives of our students. And I'm sure you feel the same way. You know, you've, you've probably just like me, you probably have former students who are now older and out of uh, youth ministry and out in the world. And, you know, there, there's probably some of them that are doing well and some of them that are not doing well. That's definitely the case for me. There, I'm, I'm watching mm-hmm. these guys from a distance and some of them I'm like, oh, I can see where you're going in life. This makes sense. And there's others where I'm like, oh man, my heart breaks seeing what you're going through right now. And even at times like what you're doing to yourself 
but I have to understand and remember it's not my job to save those people, but God is working in them and I can play a part in what he's doing, but it's not my job to do it. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. So then I guess, I guess the place where I'm still a little resistant, that's probably too strong a term, but where I'm not seeing the full connection, okay. maybe is a better way to say it. Well, you, is, you, you were talking about the, the pull to get sucked into social media and then how do you actually set yourself apart and be different, right? Yes, that's true. Okay, so here's, here's my thought and principle on this. Being mm-hmm. in the world, but not of it. Being in social media, but not of it, right? What does the world use social media for? A couple different things. One, I'll just try to go through this quick. Self. It uses social media to promote and glorify self. It's, I'm going to build this platform. I'm going to build this account that elevates me and lifts me up and makes me look really good by presenting this idealized fake version of my life that's perfectly color coordinated and all of my posts are in a perfect grid. If you're one of those millennials who cares about those things, that that's one way people use social media to glorify self or to sexualize self, to sell yourself. So there's other ways other people use social media. I see this a lot in teenage boys using social media for humor, quite often dark humor, spreading memes and just offensive humor that is all about shock value. It's all mm-hmm. about getting a reaction from people. Another way people use it is, uh, and a lot of times that goes hand in hand with the last example, is politics and uh, just being super aggressive with your political views and mocking and putting down other people with different political views. I've had friends of mine who've actually started entire meme accounts that are just for making fun of, you know, the, 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 the foolishness on the other side of whatever politic they disagree with. So those are different ways to use social media, you know, to build your empire, to try to make money. There's all these different ways. Some people it's just pure consumerism, just going in and comparing your life to other people and, you know, for other people, it's it's just I want to argue, I want to debate, I want to get on Facebook and have a political argument with this person because I think they're an idiot. I want to get on Instagram and just trash this person. These are all, in my opinion, worldly ways to use social media, but they're very it's very common. Like, would you would you say you've seen these methods of using social media often? Yeah, every example you just listed, like in my <laughs> mind, an account or a post came to mind. So I think all of them yeah. are very much in line with what we see on social media. And I heard that list and now I'm less happy than before <laughs> you gave that list. Right, because it's it's bringing to mind the, the problem. So here's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I don't think the answer is to just for a lot of people, for some people it might be, but for a lot of people, the answer isn't to delete your apps and leave, but it's Mm -hmm. how can you, this is a world that exists. It doesn't go away if you leave, just like the real world, just like the normal world. So as Christians, we're called to be in the world, but not of it. So I say the calling for the Christian is to go into all of these different areas and be strategically different to, instead of glorify self, glorify Jesus. Instead of being divisive and argumentative, work fiercely to unite people and bring them together. Instead of sexualizing yourself, fight against sexual objectification in culture. Instead of 
passionately proclaiming that your politic is the right politic, fight for the kingdom of Jesus, the, the true and good politic. You know, the kingdom of Jesus is not left or right. It, it's completely separate from all worldly systems. And so, and also <laughs> I forgot another way we use social media is to sell things. We're selling things. And this is mm-hmm. interesting. It's interesting to me to see how bold people are on social media. I've seen people that in real life, I know them to be very shy, but on social media, we are so willing to talk about essential oils or to talk about CrossFit <laughs> or to talk about our political party. Like mm-hmm. I see, I see people where it's like, I sit in a room with you and you barely have anything to say, but on social media, it's like we come alive sitting behind a keyboard. For some reason, we feel not afraid to express ourselves for a lot of people. I think they find freedom in that, but just like in a lot of ways, when we lean too heavy into freedom, we actually lose ourselves and kind of topple over. And so touching on all that, I would say instead of being evangelists or apologists for essential oils or CrossFit or Marvel movies or Biden or Trump, instead of defending and proclaiming those things, what if we put in, what if we took the 90% of our effort we were putting into that and we gave a lot more of that energy into being evangelists and apologists for Jesus? What would that look like? Yeah. I mean, it would be a completely different, at the very least, it would be a completely different feed that you're seeing. It would be a completely different experience of how you believe the people around you are experiencing the world. Yes. I think that's the biggest thing. I, I Sometimes it's hard for me to see the way that social media is cumulatively affecting my life personally. Right. Like, I think it's very easy for me to look at it and say, oh, yeah, it does all that stuff out there. And it's all those people out there. Yeah. And it's this thing that's far away. And it feels like this thing that's fake. Right. And yet it very much is an ingrained part of real life. Yes. But it seems like when we go on social media, it's kind of like when you begin a video game and they're like, pick one of the seven characters (laughs) and you just have to be one of them. It feels like we all go on social media and we either pick one of them. Right. Or we don't create anything and we just observe. That's so true. That would be one of the characters, the lurker. Yeah, that's definitely the character. I There's the, the lurker, the what else? The, the politician, the salesman, the, the uh, workout guy, the workout guy, the Instagram model, the wannabe, the, more like the, for most people, it's the wannabe Instagram model or the wannabe Instagram yep. workout guy. The memester. The memester. That would definitely be one of them. He'd have like a, like a strength of like 10, but then like his luck would be like 70 in the RPG stats. Sorry, <laughs> that got a little nerdy. That was good. No, yeah. you're right though. Yeah, it, it feels like pick one of these characters to be. Right. And we have all kind of gone along with being one of these characters. And it sounds like what you're saying is there are weaknesses to all of these characters. And most of all, none of them are the kind of character Jesus would be if he were on social media. Right. And that comes from letting those characters take over our social media personas. And oftentimes Mm -hmm. it trickles into our, our real life persona. That's what I'm finding is uh, people are shaping their identities through social media and then it trickles out into the real world, which is 
a phenomena we didn't see, you know, back in the MySpace days of when we were teenagers. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. So here's what I mean by that. I'll give you a perfect example. I have a friend named Garrett and Garrett, he's actually a podcaster now with the uh, Good Lion Podcast Network. He has Good a pod- job, Garrett. Yeah. Garrett Reynolds. He has a show called uh, Thriving Hope and Garrett has a meme account that is probably has like 25,000 followers, if not more. It's called Epic Jesus Memes. So here's the thing. He's got this massive meme account. He makes really funny memes but he uses it as a platform to reach people for the Lord. It's insane. So Garrett makes Christian memes. So a lot of times he's making fun of secular culture from a Christian perspective. A lot of times he's mocking Christian culture from a Christian perspective, you know, just poking fun at dumb stuff that we Christians do. And um, sometimes it's just stupidity, humor. Other times it's actually like cultural critique of Christianity, Mm -hmm. which is helpful. It's actually pastoral. And here's the crazy thing. So Garrett is a guy, as far as I know, he's not ordained. He's not, he's not like a on staff pastor to church. He does, he helps out at a church in the youth group. But Garrett, because of this meme account, he interacts with more non-believers on a daily basis than most pastors do in a month. He's getting direct messages from Christians and non-Christians almost every day in his Instagram inbox who are asking him questions, looking for counseling about things like relationships and spirituality and sin because they're responding to the memes. It's crazy. And so it's, it's turned into a ministry for this guy where he's able to reach people all because he started making fun of stuff with memes. And so to me, that's an example of like, he could have just defined himself as a meme guy, but instead he decided to say, how can I use this for the kingdom of God? And I've talked to Mm. him and his heart's totally pure in what he's doing. It's, it's beautiful to watch. That's amazing. Yeah. I've, I've never, I don't know Garrett, so I can't speak from any experience, but I've never thought that like the people making meme pages thought about anything more than memes. (laughs) No, dude. I mean, for, for Christians, it can be not ministry, but memistry. <laughs> Cut that. Don't let that stay in the episode. Unless <laughs> unless you keep my protest in, I forbid you from letting that stay in the episode. It's all going to stay in. It's so dumb. Anyway, <laughs> so Garrett, yeah, he's a great guy and he's doing great things. And so this, this if I can segue, this is kind of something I want to touch on here. Okay. I don't know who you are listening to this episode, but let's just say you're a millennial or Gen Z. I don't want to leave out baby boomers. In fact, we'll get to them in a second. Okay. But let's talk about the younger generation for a second. Brian and I are ancient. (laughs) We're, we're, I mean, we're not that old, but we're in our thirties. So if you're, if you're Gen Z, you probably think we're ancient. Okay. We're not 28. (laughs) What? I'm 28. Oh gosh. I'm 31. You're ancient. Dang it, Brian. (laughs) Dang it. Ah, okay. Well, anyway, if you're uh, I thought about letting it go too. If you're an old man like me or a strapping young lad like Brian, (laughs) whatever you are, here's the thing. I realize that young people, I don't know what they're doing, but somehow they've tapped into something with social media that guys who are a little bit older like me and Brian don't fully get. Mm -hmm. I've seen kids in my youth group who are public school students who have thousands upon thousands of more followers than I do on Instagram. 
I don't know how they got them. <laughs> I don't know how they're doing that, <laughs> but they have an audience. They'll post a picture of themselves hanging out with their friends and they'll get like 300, 500 likes and they'll get comments from people. That, that's an audience. Like people are paying attention to you. There's a selfish aspect of this, right? I get it. Mm -hmm. I fully get it. I used to be a YouTuber. I was a YouTuber back when YouTube started for a very brief period of time. We got featured on the front page. We were doing a production company. We were doing skits with puppets, but we got featured on the front page. And dude, for a solid three or four years, I was getting likes and comments, just tons of likes and comments on everything we were doing. There's something psychologically that I would say is bad <laughs> that like mm. feeds into that where it becomes this obsession where it's like, I have to be liked. So that's the negative side of it. But here's, here's what I'm saying. Think about this. Let's say you're a Gen Z guy or girl and you've got 5,000 people that follow you and every post you make gets, you know, 30 comments or something. That's more social media engagement than the average pastor has the average pastor. That's more people paying attention to you than the average pastor who has 200 people that comes to his church has. You have a platform that's bigger than like most people who spent their whole life trying to build a platform. It's, it's there. You have it. And so all I'm saying is God has allowed you to end up in a position where people pay attention to what you say and do. Imagine if you use that for God's kingdom. Like imagine if you posted on your story Here's a breakdown of why I'm a Christian. Let me tell all of my 5,000 followers, this is why I follow Jesus. And if you have questions about Jesus, send me a DM. Let's talk. I know a girl who used to be in my youth group and she has somehow gotten big on TikTok and she's awesome. Like all of her stuff is just rad and there's nothing weird about it. Like it's, it's just simple, fun, goofy kid stuff. But people, she's blown up and people pay attention to her and she's using that for God's glory. She talks about Jesus on there all the time. And I think it's, I think it's beautiful. So I'm just saying, I know I've been rambling for a while, but I'm saying, I don't think we fully realize the potential we have here. Okay. I'm in, I'm with you. <laughs> I, I agree with what you're saying. I think, I think just fundamentally, everybody can agree with if God gives you something, you should use it for his glory. Right. And by everyone, I mean... Christians like that. That's not something that the whole world believes, but I think that we can very clearly see from scripture that when God gives you something, you should use it to enjoy God more and to help others enjoy God more. That's yeah. what we should be striving to do with everything we get. And yes. I think that definitely, like you're saying, you know, even a few hundred people following you, like that is bigger than the size of, I think, the average church in America. I'm pretty yeah. sure the state that I live in, New Jersey, I believe the average church size is under 60. Yes. So if we're going to say that a pastor can have influence, if we're going to think that a pastor can have influence, because on average, they get to speak to 60 people a week, how much more than with whatever your following base is. So yeah. I'm totally in. I'm, <laughs> I agree with the concept. I have no idea what to do now. Well, here's a, few, here's a few thoughts really quick. So I'm not saying that TikTokers and Instagrammers should replace pastors, okay? Pastors mm -hmm. have a very specific role in, <coughs> in coughing, marker. Keep that in. Pastors have a very specific role in training up the body of Christ. But this is something I always said when I was a youth pastor is you look at us 
who are pastors and you think we're the ones who are called to do evangelism. We're the ones called to spread the gospel. That's not how it works. The, the Christian life is we're all fighting this war together. You're a soldier in the war for souls. Pastors are the equippers. We're not out on the front lines fighting the battle. We're standing by the door, handing out the sword and the arrow and the shield and all of that. So what I'm saying is pastors have a role, but we, we need to encourage people to step up. And I'm talking about, you know, people with, you know, 500,000 followers or 5,000 followers. Let's talk about, like you just said, the person with 200 followers, 100 followers. Do you think you can make a difference? I think you can. Mm -hmm. Like imagine standing in a room with 100 people. That's bigger than some small churches. You can make a difference. Well, what if, what if nobody pays attention? What if I don't get any likes? What if I don't get any responses? What if I don't get any comments? Do you doubt that God through his Holy Spirit can make a difference if you just open up your mouth? Because I can tell you there's been so many sermons where I've directed it at a group of 40 kids and it went over the head of 39 of them. But there's one kid that came up to me after the service who was like, that was exactly what I needed to hear. Thank you so much for preaching that message. That's the reality of ministry. Wouldn't you say it's not about the success rate of you know, if I post to 5,000 followers, I'm going to change 5,000 people. It's I'm throwing out this seed in the, like in the biblical story, I'm throwing out the seed and it's going to land on rocky soil and thorny soil, but there's going to be that little patch of good soil it hits and it, people are going to experience growth. Not only will that be the case, because I do agree with you throw the seed out and then you see what happens. And in some cases it won't feel like anything happened. And in some cases you'll watch incredible growth. And in some cases you'll be part of a slowly unfolding story. Like sometimes we think that if we're going to reach people for Jesus, that has to mean that we watch the person respond favorably to Jesus. <laughs> right. We have and to that's, uh, see it happen. We have to see the transformation of the life happen in front of us. Like the, yeah. the beast in Beauty and the Beast where the light beams shoot out of them and then all of a sudden they're a new person, right? Exactly. Like we think that if we don't watch that transformation moment happen, then that means we weren't part of the transformation at all. And that I think is completely untrue. I think that one of the things that's going to be amazing about being with Jesus and with all of Jesus's followers in eternity is we're going to have time to all talk to one another about <laughs> how we really influenced each other Ooh, when we didn't yeah. realize it. So like, I think that heaven is going to be just filled with so many meaningful and incredibly beautiful conversations that we either didn't have the capacity for here on earth or that we didn't have the time to get to. And I think it's going to yes. be amazing that like one day you could be in heaven with Jesus and someone could come up to you and they could say, Hey, I just want you to know, like you didn't realize I didn't comment or like, or even watch all of those things that you posted, but you were the first person that got me thinking, hmm. maybe there's more in life than this thing that I'm doing. Yes. And then they went and found other resources and they found other things that helped bring them along. That does not diminish the fact that you may have had a role in that. And yes. so I think that we need to be willing to think of ourselves as part of someone's transformation process rather than just thinking, I've got to post something that will make somebody believe in Jesus tonight. 
Right. It's, it's all, it's all the body of Christ working together to just constantly push back against darkness. It's not about like, I, that's a lot of times how we think in church ministry stuff is we're going to put on an event or a camp or a retreat or a outreach and it's going to, that's going to fix it. That's going to, mm-hmm. that's going to make a difference. And those things do make a difference, but a lot of times it's kind of like throwing gasoline on the fire to kind of make that big spark. But really the consistent, continual faithfulness in any given area that's what often makes the biggest difference more than kind of those big kind of flash in the pan moments. And I'm not knocking it. I love youth camps. I love retreats. A lot of times God speaks to me in those atmospheres in very specific ways, but don't knock what he can do in the mundane. And so that's, that's what I want to talk about right now. Cause you asked Brian about where to go from here, like practical mm-hmm. application. So here's, here's what I think. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll set it up this way in my time doing ministry through social media and what that has meant has been a couple different things. Sometimes I write a post. Sometimes I write something on my story. Sometimes I make a video. Sometimes I make a little graphic. It's, I don't really have a strategy. It's just kind of all over the place. It's whenever I feel inspired to do it, but in my time doing it, there's been so many times where I was like, I don't know if this is going to reach anybody. And then I post it and I get a message from someone and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is exactly what I needed to hear Thank you so much for taking the time putting this together. I, I'm, I'm telling you, it does make a difference. You don't think it always does, but so often it does. And I know because there are accounts that I follow that really do encourage me and speak to me. And that's why I follow them. It's because in that horrible cesspool of social media where it's just constant filth, we need those pockets of light. So all that said, practically, whoever you are listening to this, let's start with millennials and Gen Z on Instagram and, uh, you know, TikTok or whatever the new app that I don't know about because I'm too old at this point. What do you do? What if you started, I'm not somebody for throwing big, heavy burdens on people. So let me make this light. What if you started by just saying, what if 15% of the content I put out on social media each month had something to do with Jesus, had something to do with pointing people to God, had something to do with taking this opportunity of this sphere of influence that I have and pointing people to to God, whether that's, you know, a post with a caption that you wrote, whether it's a story, don't think it's too small. I know somebody who is a church planner and the way he got saved, I've talked about this on other episodes, but the way he got saved was somebody literally just walked up to him and said, Jesus loves you. That's all it took. And now he's a church planner in Australia. So don't doubt what God can do through something even small. What if you devoted 15% of your social media posts to glorifying God and just started there and just see what that does? How does that sound for a starting part? Does that sound tangible? Does that sound doable? I think it sounds very doable. I think it's, I mean, 15% of my posts is like one post every decade. So (laughs) I can definitely do this. I wonder, I wonder if there are people that are going to hear that and they're like, yes, I should do that. And then remember when I I know that your sermon writing process was very nonlinear and was very different from mine, but in, in my process and we can relate to this in paper writing or any kind of writing, you open up like a blank word document and that blank document is just staring you in the face and you feel like there's no way to get it to stop being blank. Let's say I decide I'm in, I'm going to post something that is Jesus focused. That is a gentle nudge 
that will hopefully be inspiring and encouraging and will help people see something new about Jesus and they open up the app and they feel like they have no idea how to actually do that. You mean the the people reading this imaginary post that you're writing? No, the people trying to make like I'm I'm going uh, from my right. Instagram has nothing to do with Jesus to now all of a sudden I'm going to introduce him. Yeah. How do I go about making that introduction without just saying, "Hi everyone, Jesus is my friend. Goodbye." <laughs> yeah, I know. Here okay, here's some practical ways, okay? I'll give you a few really tangible ways. One would be people love, from what I've experienced, people love when people express themselves and talk about their lives. So a post of, let you know, whoever you are listening to this, you know, a post of you and you and your girlfriend, you and your wife, you and your wife and kids, you know, you and your friends, a, a picture of you and then a caption that's basically your testimony. Like, hey, to anyone reading this, I know you follow this account, but maybe you don't know the story of how I found Jesus. So let me tell you about it. That's one way. That's that's super tangible. Maybe you're like me. Maybe, maybe you're a church kid and you don't really have a testimony. It's like, my dad was a pastor. I was born. The doctor smacked me and I said, hallelujah. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, that is, that is my story. So I don't really have a testimony, but I can tell you about what God has done in my life. I can tell you the testimony of what happened after I got saved. I can tell you about amazing things God has done. I can tell you, maybe, maybe you don't even have what you feel like, you know, is any sort of story of yourself. Just tell people about Jesus. Just say, hey, uh, you guys following me, I want to tell you about something I believe in. And some of you guys, this might sound weird because you don't believe in it, but let me just tell you from my perspective why I believe this. And then just break down the gospel in whatever simple way you can. So that's that's one way of post. You can do the same thing through a story. Just tell people the gospel. Just make it simple. Make it plain. You can do a video. Instagram has this thing called uh, Instagram TV, or you can shoot a little video on your story. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be complicated. But like I said, I know a guy who's a church planner, and all it took was somebody saying, Jesus loves you. I think all of us who are Christians have non-Christian friends that follow our accounts. I think the majority of us have people we went to high school with, people we went to college with, people mm-hmm. who still are interested in our life. And maybe they know that I'm a pastor and you're a pastor, Brian, but they don't know why. They've never heard us express why we actually believe in that. Or for me, what I've found is there's a lot of people I was friends with back in high school and they were f- churchgoers, youth group goers, but now they identify themselves as non-Christians. They don't really follow God anymore. And what I'm constantly trying to do is I want to show them why I'm still in this. Like here is why I still walk with Jesus. Mm. And here is why I would encourage you to get back into this because it's not a fairy tale that we believed in high school. It's a real thing. No, that's really good. That's super, super practical, super easy to take those steps. And I love just what you're saying, how simple it is of, I mean, this is true. We've talked a a little bit about evangelism on different episodes of this show before. And one of the things that we've talked about is the fear that we can have of if I can't answer all the questions, then I can't begin the conversation at all. And just how not true that is. And especially when we frame it through, here is who Jesus has been to me. Here is what Jesus has meant in my life. Right. That's a really good conversation starter that doesn't require you to be some kind of apologetics expert or some kind no. of super well-studied biblical theologian or whatever. Like you don't have to be 
any of that, you think about what social media was in its more pure days. It was, here is a thing I am doing, and I want to share that thing with you. Basically, we're just trying to go back to that, only the thing that we're doing is we're living life with Jesus. Right. Yes, absolutely. So, Brian, there's a verse somewhere in the Bible, I'm trying to remember it, where it talks about the importance of reminding each other about the good things that God has done. Do you do you know what verse that is? I do know that verse offhand. <laughs> <laughs> of course you, I have you, that one you, memorized. You Googled it. You, you were Googling it. <laughs> I totally it. Googled it. I was okay. Googling it this whole time. Let's hear it. Uh, so it's the beginning of Second Peter, and it's Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12, where this is right after Peter has made really just an introduction of God wants to confirm the people he's writing to. He wants to settle them and God wants to grow them into the character of Jesus. Then he begins a new section where he's going to go into more of what he wants to talk about uh, in the book, which is about false teachers and problems kind of coming into the church because of it. Hmm. So he says in second Peter one verse 12, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them, and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Mm. Yeah. So that's right there, a verse that's letting us know for us as Christians, yeah, we know the gospel. Yeah, we've heard it before, but we need to constantly be preaching it again and again to ourselves and to each other. And I think when we do that, I think the world takes notice of that. But here's an important distinction I think we need to make because I want to specifically focus on evangelism because I don't think we are often using social media for evangelism. Christians do use social media, but a lot of times the ways that we use it as Christians is it's kind of preaching to the choir at best. It's encouraging one another, you know, like sharing things among the Christian family that encourages each other. That's good. That seems to be part of what social media is built to do. It seems like social media is built around find your group Talk to your group, remind your group why you are right. Yes. So that's, that's the dark side of it. Like I was going to say, mm-hmm. the, the, the good side is encouraging one another, which is great. The dark side of it is basically just forming an echo chamber where it's just like, I, I see this all the time where Christians are basically, you know, I, most of the Christians that we know are, they, they'd identify themselves as conservative Christians. A lot of times the stuff they post on Instagram is, oh my gosh, look at what the liberals are doing. These people are crazy. These people are evil. These people are psychopaths. What is wrong mm-hmm. with them? Here's an article about why the Christian way is better. Here's an article about why Christians are right and godless secular atheists are wrong. And so that's not evangelistic. That is us telling each other we're right. And there's a, there's a place for that in any group to share frustrations, you know, with the other side. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not completely dogging that. I think all of us need safe spaces to be able to, you know, talk with people we agree with on things, but we have to remember that what we do on social media is outward facing to the entire world. And so this is what I have asked non-Christian friends of mine. I have a small group of friends that I was friends with back in the day. Uh, we have a Facebook group and I got in there recently And I said, Hey guys, you guys know I'm a Christian. I know you guys aren't Christians anymore. I would love to know from your perspective, what do you guys think of Christians on social media right now? And their response was basically like, yeah, Christians right now, they seem like they are angry. They seem like they like to argue. 
They seem like they actually would rather bicker amongst themselves than even talk to us. They're preoccupied with being right. They're preoccupied with politics and being right politically. And it doesn't feel like they have any love for us. In fact, it feels like they don't like us at all and they don't care. And one of them was like, yeah, it doesn't really seem like they're that different than us because that's kind of how we think of them too. And that's what struck me is like mm. on social media, we're no, we're no better than the world quite often. The way that we present ourselves is, you know, it's just kind of, I'm right and they're wrong and I don't care about them. I just care about my tribe. And, and to be fair, that that's pretty much how atheists on social media treat Christians, you know? And I think it's, it's kind of natural that people treat each other that way on social media, because I think that most of the social media consumption I'm doing is in my house when I'm in a relaxed mode, when I'm trying to unwind from the day and all of my defenses are down. Right. And when all of your defenses are down, there's something that's very healing and very soothing about that. But there's also something where that creates the potential for some of the worst elements of you to be on display. Yeah. And, and I think that's why it's so important you're bringing up. We need to know that when we're trying to be representatives of Jesus and we're trying to do that on social media, that means that what we're creating is not about this is what I think when I'm unwinding. It's about this is what I am putting into the world to try to win lost people to Jesus. Right. And, and think about it. Like in today's age, we back in the day, I mean, I wasn't there for it, but I've heard legends from old people that talk to me about it. I guess back <laughs> in the day, from what I've heard, it was like everyone knew their neighbors and everyone in the neighborhood knew each other. And they, the kids would play in the street and they would all go out and talk to one another. And you knew your neighbors. That's just not what I see. I don't see mm -hmm. that everyone keeps to themselves. It, everyone is, we live in a very individualistic society where everyone just kind of keeps to themselves. So especially in today's age where we're all in lockdown, we're not getting out of the house. Uh, we're ordering stuff on Amazon. We don't have any reason to go out in public. You know, we're working from home. When are we ever going to share the gospel? When is that going to happen? Mm. Where is the public square of today? It's social media. That's where people come together to talk and to share ideas. And so why is Jesus not at the center of that? I feel like for a lot of Christians, we've done the thing that we've classically always done and had to teach ourselves not to do, which is we say, you know, instead of Jesus is the whole pie, he's just one slice of the pie. So it's like, here's my mm -hmm. Jesus slice. Here's my social media slice. When really Jesus should be Lord over our social media usage. And so I think... Let's go back to baby boomers, right? You guys are mm -hmm. on Facebook. I'm on Facebook too, but you guys, you guys dominate Facebook. Okay. You're you the guys kings are of, really on Facebook. You guys are the Kings and Queens of Facebook own it. Right? So here's the thing. When I go on Facebook, it's 40%. Here's a picture of my dog. Here's a picture of my cat. Here's a picture of my kids. And then it's like 60% political arguments. That's what the church is known for right now. I'm not saying people can't have political opinions and feel strongly about them, but I'm saying that is our identity. It's arguing amongst non-believers and amongst ourselves. And sometimes I've seen those arguments get brutal where people I know who are Christians are like straight up insulting people, you know, because of political differences. Mm -hmm. So maybe you're listening to that and you're like, well, that's not me. Like I, I don't get all riled up about politics. That's great. 
here's what I'm trying to say. Our image right now on social media is not evangelistic. What if we did something to change that? What if we had a mindset where, you know, maybe you're somebody who posts a few times a week. What if one of those posts was directed at non-believers? Not not in a way where it was like non-believers are stupid or here's why atheists are horrible. But instead, let me tell you my story about Jesus. Let me tell you what Jesus has done. Let me tell you how Jesus has changed me. That's the kind of stuff that makes a difference. And I really think it can make a difference. And I'm just, I'm hoping that something will change where that becomes what we're known for instead of, you know, being known for essential oils or politics or whatever. What if we were known as, Instead of, oh, that's the guy who's always trying to get me to join his multi-level marketing thing. What if people thought, oh, that's the guy who's always posting about Jesus. And sometimes it's weird, but sometimes I'm like, man, that guy's got interesting stuff to say, you know? I think the most important part of what you laid out there was the idea that what you're putting out there for non-believers is intentionally relational. Because mm, I can yeah. imagine how it'd be easy to think, I posted an article that was 10 reasons we can trust the Bible. Yeah. And that was me trying to reach out to non-believers. And look, posting that article is a great thing. Helping your Christian brothers and sisters trust their Bible more is a great thing. I'm not saying that post is, is yeah. meaningless by yeah, any we means. Sh we, should, we should post that. Yeah, we should want to share that information with the people in our lives. But most likely, the people in your life that don't care about Jesus and don't care about the Bible, they're not necessarily going to be looking for that. You know, they didn't come on Facebook because they were thinking they're going to learn something about the trustworthiness of the Bible. They probably came on Facebook because they thought they were going to learn things about the people that they follow, about the people they're friends with, about the relationships that they've built. So I've just found so much of sharing the gospel with people is about having the relational backdrop where people would think if, if God loves me like this person does, that wouldn't be that bad. Yeah. And we have to lay that groundwork with people. And that's going to mean being a little bit more vulnerable. It's going to mean being a little bit more personal and not just sharing, you know, we love to talk about Jesus is the truth. I completely agree with that. Jesus 100% yeah. is the truth, but Jesus is also a person who wants mm. to walk through life with you. One of the things that's so important to see is that the name that Jesus was given in the book of Matthew is he was referred to as Emmanuel. He was God with us. He didn't just want to be God over us or God shouting things to us. He wanted to be the God that walked through life with us. When you remove that with, you remove so much about the beauty of that name. And sometimes we try to evangelize to people without being with them. And I think that keeping some relational element in the things we're trying to post to win non-believers, that's so important because we get to show them God isn't against you. He wants to be with you. Mm. And really he wants you to be with him. And I could show you that because I'm trying to show you that I want to be with you as well. Yes. Yes. And so here's the thing that I've realized about non-believers is a lot of them, especially in the younger generations, I'm thinking millennial and Gen Z, they have an idea of Christianity as Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. 
Christians are self-righteous and they don't smell their own stink and they just want to tell us about why we all stink, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that, that, is, that is a perception that people have of Christians. And so if our mentality when we get on social media is let's talk about why Christians are great. Let's talk about why, like if, if we're always in defense mode, where it's like, oh, you know, man, it feels like non-believers are always dogging us. But let, let's talk. Let's talk about all the great things we've done. Let's talk about how great we are and and what we've accomplished. Or if we are constantly talking about politics in a way that basically aligns ourselves with either side. And I'm not just I'm not just talking about Republicans. I'm not just talking about Democrats. I'm talking about either side. If we position ourselves as you know, I'm a Christian first, but I'm a Republican second or a Democrat second, and it's all about politics. People, the reality is both of those political sides have so many flaws and issues that if you align yourself and identify yourself with either side to the point where it's your identity, it's going to compromise your Christianity and people are going to see the hypocrisy in it. They're going to find some fault with the Republicans or some fault with the Democrats or Libertarians or whoever. And they're going to basically look at you and say, well, your faith is a fraud because you you claim to be a Christian and yet you are somebody who, you know, puts your weight behind these things. And that, that's because we were never called to put our weight behind those things. One of the things that I've been trying to think about when it comes to being helpful to people on social media, and really I think about this with podcasting, I think about this with sermon preparation, I think about this in all kinds of different things. Realistically, you can only get one thing across. Like this Mm. whole episode has been us trying to get across the idea that evangelism on social media can be powerful and you should try it like that's that's the whole like we can cut the episode and if we just left that one sentence that's what we were trying to say this whole time right with sermons i've definitely started shrinking down the number of ideas that i try to put into a sermon i don't want to teach you know three chapters and hit you with seven main points i want to teach like four verses and just hit one main point home so that you can take one thing with you. When it comes to our social media creation, we need to think people are probably only going to take one thing away. And if you are really politically focused, they're only going to take politics away from you and they're not going to take Jesus away from you. Right. If you're really sales focused, they're only going to take the thing that you're selling. They're not going to take Jesus. If you're really image focused, It's going to be really hard for them to think that you're really into Jesus when it looks like you're really into yourself. Well, like pick, go back to any of the characters we were talking about before. If you line up perfectly with one of those characters or with some kind of movement or with anything like that, people are going to take that from you and they're not going to take Jesus. And I think what we're trying to ask is, isn't that the opposite of what it means to be a Christian? Being a Christian is putting Jesus forward and Jesus first in everything. Yeah. So you're exactly right. So think back to the early church where the gospel was spreading like wildfire, right? Why was it spreading? Because it was subversive. It was this message of Jesus is king. 
Nero is not. There's forgiveness for your sins. There's there's life after death. There's eternal life. There is a kingdom that is better than this earthly kingdom where there is no war or violence or racism or sexism. It's this place where people love one another and forgive one another. And just it's where Jesus is king. Like that was the message. Mm -hmm. Jesus is Lord. For the early church, they didn't really divert that. They didn't really uh, dilute that. You know, they stuck to it. They weren't going out and saying, Jesus is Lord. And also Herod is a pretty okay guy and we should overlook <laughs> some of the bad stuff he's done. Or, you know, Jesus is Lord and we should actually overthrow Herod because we've got this better guy who will do a better job. Like that, that wasn't the message, you know, it wasn't, you know, Jesus is Lord. And that's why we should abolish the brothels and get rid of all the prostitutes. And it also wasn't Jesus is Lord. And that's why we should actually just uh, go in and accept the prostitutes and legalize prostitution even more than it already is. Like it, it wasn't that stuff. It was just Jesus is Lord. That was the main focus. And we, we so, so dilute the message. I had a youth assistant named Brian Delmore one year, and he taught a sermon, I remember, to the youth kids where he was talking about his mom's cookie recipe. And he was like, yeah, wouldn't it be? My mom has the best cookie recipe. It's, it's so good. It's just gooey, amazing, sugary, buttery cookies. Imagine if I added chili pepper. Imagine if I put in mustard. Imagine if I put in horseradish, you know? All of those things are good on their own, but if I introduce them into the cookie recipe, it ruins the recipe. The, the recipe is supposed to be this, this pureness and goodness of the cookie. And it's the same thing with the gospel. We shouldn't be adding things to it. Uh, it's, it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So we have just thrown a lot at you, but hopefully it's all encouraged you and it's all given you a greater feeling that what you do with your online presence can be a meaningful thing for the kingdom of God. I think one of the beauties of life is that everything we do is meaningful already. The question is, what meaning are we looking to bring about? And hopefully this is an encouraging reminder that what you do online can bring about real change. It can present real hope and it can show people real genuine love because it can be Jesus focused. Mm. Yeah. And I hope nobody walks away from this thinking. I don't want people to think that what I'm trying to pull here is the classic, oh, you're a musician, but you aren't playing worship music. How dare you? If you're a Christian, you can only write Christian songs. You can't write a love song about someone named Sandra. It has to be a love song to Jesus. Change the lyrics right now. You, you know what I'm getting at? Like, uh, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm not saying that uh, if you are going to be a Christian and you're going to use social media, listen, you have to make every post about Jesus or he will find you and he will delete your account. The that only picture works. that you can present is your Bible next to a cute coffee mug yes. with a verse underneath. Instagram devotions only, only. Yeah, no, that's, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I was hoping um, you were going to do that like five more times. <laughs> only. <laughs> no, I'm done. Yeah, I'm what I'm I'm not saying we we all live our lives. Like I watch TV shows that aren't Christian shows. I have conversations with people that aren't Christian conversations. Listen, on a day where you're having a hard day 
and your friend just posts that perfect meme, dude, that brings me joy. That is glorious. I don't care if it's a Christian meme or not. Like that's great. Yes, please share pictures about your life, share pictures about your dog, post memes. It's all good stuff. Like it, it's all permissible, you know, as long as nothing's stumbling and causing others to sin, it's all permissible under the flag of the kingdom of God. But what I'm saying is just like we live our normal lives, but we're called to evangelism. Same thing in social media. We can have our normal life on social media, but then let's have an element of evangelism present. Let's, let's make that a focus. Let's make that uh, a part of our life that is important, an, an important piece of that pie that Jesus dominates, if you will. If we do that, I feel like we'll be more balanced. I'm almost thinking about you know, eventually, I think it'd be so cool for Good Lion and CGN to partner up to start a social media campaign that basically encouraged young people like, hey, for the next two weeks, let's let's share our testimonies. Let's share things that God has done in our life. Let's be purposefully evangelistic. Maybe even we could hold like a training seminar or something on this. But um, how cool would it be to do that? And then see after two weeks what the fruit from it was, you know, and, and to hear from people who are like, I only have 20 followers, but somebody got saved like that. That would just be, oh, I love that idea. That's real kingdom living, you know, where we're taking everything we have and we're saying, God, above everything else, we are members of your kingdom. You are a kingdom leader, Mm. which I guess is just called a king that loves to see his kingdom grow. How can we use whatever we have? to be part of that kingdom growth. And I I love what you're saying that it's not about, you know, 100% posts that have the word Jesus in it or bust. It's definitely not that. I I think I've, I've been trying to think through some clarifying questions that we could be asking ourselves of, Hmm. are we posting things that are good and that can be Jesus focused or otherwise? Yeah. And I, I think kind of the questions that are coming to my mind, and this is just, kind of off the top of my head in response to this conversation. I think the questions are, does this in some way glorify Jesus, which at least some of your posts should not saying that every one of them has to be like a slam dunk on that question. The second one would be, would someone who's hungry for unity feel that this post is doing unifying work or dividing work? Yeah. And I think the third one would be, if someone was having a bad day and found this post, would it make them smile? Mm, yeah. Those are the three that I have right now. That's good. And just, you know, something you said to this, I don't know if this answers those questions, but it's just a quick offshoot. You talked about division, right? Mm-hmm. Like avoiding posting things that are dividing. I want to be careful with that because, you know, it's a it's been a blind spot for me that I'm trying to be better at. That would actually, dude, we need to do an episode where you and I explore our weaknesses and blind spots. Wouldn't that be great? (laughs) Sounds terrible. Let's do it. Let's do it. Here's a blind spot for me. I feel called to peacemaking. I just did an episode before this. It was a solo one that I did that was just focused on peacemaking. I've got a few Instagram videos coming out. The reality is Jesus is the peacemaker, right? He's, 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 he says, blessed are the peacemakers. He brings peace in the middle of the storm with the disciples. He's He's the king of peace, the prince of peace. But then also he says, there's a speech he gives in the Bible where he's talking to his disciples and he's like, I actually came to divide. Like what I am doing is going to turn Mm -hmm. mothers and, and kids and fathers and their kids and brothers and sisters against one another because this message of the kingdom is so divisive that it is going to tear people apart. So it's, it's a complicated balance. I think we need to make where 
if you're going to do something divisive, you have to ask yourself, in what way is this divisive? Is it divisive in a way that props up Jesus as Lord? Or is it just me with an opinion, self-righteously mm. acting like my opinion is truth and anyone else with any other opinion is false? Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. I, what I was thinking, I guess, when I posed that question was because I, I do agree that I think the caveat is important of if you are posting Jesus focused things and people find it divisive, that doesn't mean that it is or even that that kind of division is wrong. It's just it goes back to you kind of briefly mentioned the parable of the sower. You're going to throw seed out and sometimes it's going to grow and sometimes it won't. And, and that's right. OK. But think about the normal Facebook dividing lines. Yes. Are you entrenching those lines further or are you helping to remove some of those lines? Maybe that's a better way to ask the question. No, that's, that's really good. Oh, I love that. Helping to remove some of those lines instead of further drawing it. So like, I think here's a clear example. Uh, You and I, we both feel the same way about abortion, but I think there's two ways you can post about abortion. One is you as a Christian can say, I hate abortion and I hate anybody who believes it's right. And anyone who believes it's right is an idiot and just despicable and disgusting. I can't believe they'd vote this way. I can't believe they'd do it. That's, that is divisive. It's also, there's truth in the sense that abortion is wrong. So that's, that's telling truth. And people can say, I'm just telling the truth. Like if it offends people, that's fine. But what we're doing is we're drawing lines and we're dividing people in a way that's only destructive and not constructive. There's no reconstruction that can happen from there. A non-Christian reads that and goes, oh, Christians think abortion is wrong, but what about this and this and this issue? They're just a bunch of hypocrites. And then they leave. So instead, if we post about abortion in a way that is evangelistic, where it's like, hey, listen, I know that this is the norm in society, but let me tell you passionately why I truly believe that this is wrong. And I'm open to dialogue and discuss this with anybody. Shoot me a direct message. If you want to have a conversation, let's talk. I know we have differences, but let's have a conversation about this. And those are the kind of like, that's, it's still divisive because you're saying, I believe this is wrong, even though you believe this is right, but it's an open door to conversation where then somebody can actually have their heart changed through the power of the Holy spirit. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's a way of talking about something that's divisive, but actively trying to remove the dividing line. You're saying, Mm -hmm. I know that I stand on this side and I know that many of you may stand on that other side. But what if we tried to walk towards the middle and talk to each other there? I think that's a, a very healing and refreshing post, regardless of what side you're coming from, because that's just not the way that dialogue about hot button issues seems to happen right now. Right now, it Mm. just seems to be I'm on your side or I'm on this side. You're on that side. Let's lob grenades at each other (laughs) and we'll hope that one of us blows up first and it'll be you because you're wrong. Like that's kind of the way that conversation tends to go just by having an openness to real dialogue. You can talk about things that tend to divide without actively adding to the division or letting your opinion be the thing that creates that division. Absolutely. That's good. And that's what we all need to be fighting for. All right. So that wraps up the first episode of season four. 
Dude, Brian, good discussion, man. That well was done. fun. Yeah, it, that was a good time. It was. Next episode, we're talking more about evangelism. I'm going to be sitting down with Joel Turner, uh, a stand-up comedian and senior pastor of a church in Canada who's a part of our Calvary Network. Funny guy, great guy, and he has a huge passion for evangelism. So that'll be great. We'll be talking more about that. And then as far as uh, the next episode with you and me, I don't know what we're talking about next, but I'm sure it'll be good. We'll figure it out. I'm sure we'll talk about something. This will not be the last episode. I promise you that. Wouldn't that be weird? Episode one of season four is also (laughs) the last episode. We just wanted it to stand on its own. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, go on iTunes and give it a rating. It helps so much. Seriously, a few people have rated uh, us recently. Levi Kemp, thank you for your rating. Uh, Good job, Levi. Brian uh, Clutter who used to go by the uh, username The Top Crusader on the Adventures in Odyssey fan message board we were both involved in back in like the early 2000s. Thank you for your beautiful review. My mother-in-law, D, thank you for your lovely review. So kind. We should just start doing shout outs for people. Maybe that would motivate people to review more. What do you think? We're going to start doing shout outs right now. Chris underscore Warner J. He's probably better known as Chris Warner. I love Chris a- Warner. I know him. He's a good guy. You know him personally? Yeah. Well, I don't know him personally, but I already love him because he left us a great review and it seems like he was being honest. Like this wasn't just like a good stuff, five stars. Like he wrote meaningful <laughs> things. And as What'd I'm reading say? it, read it. Aaron, he wrote, this is going to be weird because it's us <laughs> complimenting ourselves. So imagine this is Chris's voice and not mine. Aaron and Brian are honest, transparent, and well-equipped mm. to wrestle on their podcast with tough topics. They are refreshing to listen to. Thanks, guys. Keep pressing on. Thanks, Chris. We will keep pressing on. Thank you. You're right. Amazing. Amazing. So kind. There's also... Can can I do one more? Yeah, do one more. Varen the Unbelievable. Oh, that's that's Brian. That's Brian Clutter. It says Varen. I don't know what he's doing there, but yeah, he. This is gonna be a weird. He's a weird guy. I, uh, Brian, you know you're weird. You know I'm weird. We're both. Here's the thing. Okay, so his review is titled "Do Otters Eat Ham?" Okay, which seems very relevant to yeah what we do as a show. But oh, he yeah. says he really enjoys it. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Thank you. So yeah, if you like our show, leave us a review on iTunes. It helps so much. It helps people discover our show and find it. And we'll read it. And we Pretty much it. no matter what it says. That from is now not on, true. From now on, we are going to read every new review that comes in after this episode. So yep. leave, leave one if you want a shout out. That's the incentive. Check out our website, goodline.io, for more shows on the network from people who love Jesus and want to make him known and spread the good news. And thank you all for listening. I forgot what we normally say in our outro. So let's we just say, say stuff. Good, let's just say yeah. goodbye. It's an okay. outro. Like it's if you're listening outro. to this, it's not because you needed this information. It's because your phone you is probably, probably in your listening. pocket. Yeah. And you're not able to get to it right now because you're, you're doing too lazy. something else. You're too lazy to hit stop. So you're just letting this play out. You're just letting the clock run. Yep. Valuable seconds of your life are being spent on me telling you that valuable seconds of your life are being spent. But thank you. And leave a review and we'll read it next time because you're the audience for this. People that listen to this part of the podcast. So until the next time we see you, 
Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. And God bless. And God bless. Thank you.